0: By Nearfield. State! This is the Bobcat Insider, your exclusive look at Montana State Athletics. Now, here's the voice of the Bobcats, Jay Sanderson.
1: Well, thanks so much for checking us out. However it is, you may be listening if you found us on msubobcats.com or if you're a regular listener, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. This podcast is and always will be totally free. All you have to do is search for the Bobcat Insider Podcast, set it up to subscribe, and it downloads to your device. The most up-to-date content will be right at your fingertips the second it goes live. With football season getting ready to ramp up, there's certainly a lot of news around Montana State football. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. We also have some news to share with you about our weekly television show, formerly known as the Bobcat Sports Report. It's been given a makeover, and it's now called the Bobcat Insider. It also is on a new night and at a new time. We'll be on every Thursday night during football season at 930 on your local Fox affiliate Once the NFL season gets started, it'll be on immediately after Thursday Night Football, which is also now on Fox. So what a terrific lead-in that will be. We'll have interviews with head coach Jeff Choate and players each week, highlights of the previous game, previews of upcoming games. Again, that's the new Bobcat Insider television show Thursday nights at 9.30 on your local Fox station. Well, it's time to get back to football. It's great to say that for sure, and we're glad you're with us today on this podcast because we are in Spokane, Washington at the Big Sky kickoff. The preseason polls have been announced. Montana State is picked eighth in both the coaches and the media polls. Eastern Washington, number one in both polls. In the coaches' vote, Eastern Washington, one. Weber State, two. Northern Arizona, three. Idaho, four. Sacramento State, five. Southern Utah, six. Montana, seven. Seven. Montana State eighth, UC Davis ninth, Cal Poly ten, Northern Colorado eleven, Idaho State twelve, and Portland State is thirteenth. In the media poll, the same top two: Eastern Washington and Weber State. But in the media poll, Northern Arizona was picked third, Montana fourth, Idaho fifth, Southern Utah sixth, San Sacramento State seventh, Montana State is eighth, UC Davis comes in at number nine, Idaho State ten, Cal Poly is eleventh, Northern Colorado is twelve, and again Portland State picked to finish last in the media poll. The preseason all-conference team was also announced over the weekend. Montana State placing just one player on that list. Defensive tackle Tucker Yates, the lone Bobcat selected to the all-conference team. Weber State, the defending co-champions of the Big Sky, led the way with six overall selections. What's really interesting about the preseason polls, a lot of parody, and no one really knows what to expect out of the 2018 Big Sky race. A lot of teams have moved up. I think you've seen the middle of the pack close the gap with the top of the conference, and that has been reflected in the voting. In the media poll, Eight different teams, including Montana State, received at least one first place vote. So it should be a wide open season and it should be a lot of fun. We are at the Big Sky kickoff in Spokane, Washington, and it is one of our favorite times of year because it is the start of football season. We are joined today on our broadcasters roundtable with the voice of the Eastern Washington Eagles, Larry Weir, and the longtime voice of the NAU Lumberjacks, Mitch Stroman, two of my best friends in the business as well. We always have a good time when we get together. And honestly, guys, when we do this podcast, it's the worst part of the weekend because all of the after-party festivities (laughs) is really the best part.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. I have a good time
3: getting together with everybody. This is a lot of fun. Because we don't get a chance to do this very often. That's why I like the the, the basketball tournament so much now that everybody is involved in it. And and we have a chance to see one another and, and hang out and have a good time.
2: It's one of the best things about being in the Big Sky Conference, I think, is that we have a great camaraderie between not only ourselves as sportscasters and voices of our respective schools, but we have a great camaraderie also with folks from the conference, folks from other institutions, coaches, student athletes, administrators, presidents, we all get along so well. We, let's just say that we play well together in the sandbox. And that is one of the things I think that makes it very uh, unique in the Big Sky.
3: I think in watching your Twitter feed, weren't you stalking John Casper today? I'd, stalking
2: him?
1: I'm yeah. not sure if that would,
2: that's perhaps a little strong, but okay. n- maybe not too strong. All
1: right. <laughs> so the Big Sky preseason polls are out. Yes. This is always, in my mind, it's two different things at once. One, it is a fun exercise for those of us who do podcasts and write sports articles and need things to talk about in late July when camp doesn't start for two weeks and the season doesn't start for six weeks. It's also a tremendous waste of time because none of us really know anything about what we're guessing at when we look at these preseason polls, when we vote in these polls. And this year in the big sky, I think that is especially apt because – in the media poll, of the 13 teams in the Big Sky Conference, eight received first-place votes. In the coaches' poll, four of the 13 teams that received first-place votes. In both polls, Eastern Washington, the preseason favorite to win, and Eastern era Weber State, number two in both polls. It gets a little muddy in the middle moving from there on down. Portland State, last in both polls. Uh, Northern Arizona, third in the coaches' poll, fourth in the media poll. Montana State, seventh in both polls. And so... Guys, as we were talking about before we started this, it's really interesting to see how many different teams could be in the mix. And I truly believe that with regard to the poll and who wins the league and the pecking order thereafter, you could draw names from a hat and be pretty close to accurate in some permutation.
2: Well, I think one of the things that's the biggest challenge in this, guys, is that the conference is really reshaping itself in this season. 2018 football Big Sky Conference is a transitional year. It's a weird year. There are a lot of odd dynamics going on that we'll have this year that we won't have any other year. For example, we have the first year of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks being in this... They're a pretend member. Yeah, it's in limbo, some sort of a limbo status where they're an independent at the FCS level. Their statistics... Their games don't count in the standings for them, but they do count in the standings for us as Big Sky members. That is an odd dynamic that's very hard to pin down how that will impact mental preparation, emotional preparation for those games against North Dakota. Then the second piece, Idaho, the return of the Idaho Vandals. They were a year ago an FBS team with all of those extra scholarship players. Now they're dropping down back into the FCS, back into the Big Sky Conference. You would think that just by virtue of the fact that they were an FBS team a year ago, that they should have FBS caliber players on their roster, which would kind of give them perhaps a little bit of an advantage coming into the league in this first year.
1: And I agree with you. I voted Idaho number one in the preseason poll in my ballot Because of that fact alone, that they have FBS-caliber players at many positions, Uh save for the quarterback. I I think they're going to be a little light at quarterback talent-wise, but who knows what they're getting. I mean, I I truly believe they're going to be elite defensively, among the best in the FCS defensively. They have their entire linebacking core returning. All three of them were all Sunbelt Conference Uh selections last season. And so I think that they are going to be very, very good defensively. And they're not going to have to be great offensively to win games in the big sky.
3: Well, you know, I'm not on the Idaho train at this point in time. Uh, they lost their quarterback, Matt Lenahan. They lost most of their receivers. Uh, yeah, I think their running game could be decent. Uh, their linebackers are good. Their defensive front isn't great. And I don't think their secondary is great. Secondary is not bad. Uh, but they've got to have something come through at the quarterback position for them, in my opinion, Uh, and and they're not like a uh, a Montana State or a Montana in that both those schools, I think, have a lot of guys who are contending for their open quarterback spots, and I think guys that have, in, in some cases, played at a higher level. Idaho's, you've got the coach's son, You've got a guy out of Lewiston that I watched play in high school that I thought he was okay, but I wasn't sure if he would be, especially in that particular offense, a great fit. Um, And and then they've got a freshman. So we'll see what happens to them. I'm not on the Idaho train. I had them seventh.
2: You know, Larry, I I, I appreciate what you're saying and you being, uh, as the voice of the Eagles, uh, very close to the program, just geographically. Uh, to Idaho, so you have an opportunity to see things probably at a a closer level than I do in Flagstaff, but I, I think one of the things that you might not be considering is this intangible that's at play. The emotion, the intellectual issue of Idaho having to essentially really kind of say we couldn't make it as an FBS school. And acknowledge the fact that that grand experiment many years ago when they jumped out of the league with, when Boise State left was a failure, bottom line. And from an intellectual and emotional perspective, Larry, I would suggest to you that there may be some additional incentive for the Vandals in their first year back in the Big Sky, their first year back in the FCS to, to not come back and fail in that transition. Think about how embarrassing it would be for Idaho to come back down to the FCS, to come back into the Big Sky Conference, and then become either a middle of the pack or, or from their perspective, God forbid, a, a lower half team in the Big Sky. That would add enormous insult to what is already an injury of them having to concede, well, we couldn't make it with the big boys, so we've got to come back down to 1AA or FCS and come back into the Big Sky Conference. I think there will be some, uh, some additional emotional, intangible incentive for that team to perform extremely well this season so that they don't uh, double their embarrassment, so to speak.
3: And that point can, is taken, and it's a wild card for their team this year. My contention is I don't know if they have the horses that it matters too much.
2: Mm, interesting.
1: What are some other headlines that you guys are looking for around the conference as we get set to open the season?
2: North Dakota. I'm going to go back to that. What's that going to be like? what's What's it going to be like when you play a team that is completely independent for themselves? They have to get to, you would presume, a minimum of seven wins, maybe eight wins, to be honest with you, in order to try to get an at-large bid to the FCS playoff party. They're coming off of a year where virtually their entire starting unit on defense a year ago in 17 was out with injury. Almost everybody. Now they're all back healthy. They're on their way to the Missouri Valley Football League. They are ravenous to get back into the playoff discussion. And they know the only way they're going to get in is likely to hit that magic number probably, in my opinion, eight, eight wins. So they have a a lot to play for. But for us, for NAU, when we close the regular season against them, for example, when you play them as a Big Sky team, it it doesn't count in our standings. It's not a win. It's not a loss for us. It's, It's a strange dynamic, and I just don't know how that's going to... How that's going to play out, Larry, I really don't.
3: No, well, I think it does count for a win or a loss, because that's part of the conference standings, is it not? It doesn't it is. count for is them. It, is it counts
1: it? for our big It counts for us, but not yeah. for them. But right. not for right. them. They that's don't right. have a conference standing to I flipped to, to, that in my mind. I apologize. Achieve.
2: But you're right. It counts for us, but it doesn't count for them. So I just wonder how that that dynamics going to, to, to be these next two years, this year and next year.
3: You know, in the end, you still have to win the game because if you want to go to the playoffs, you got to get those eight wins or seven or whatever it might be. So you still, you know, it may not be, you know, if you want to win a conference championship, et cetera, you can't stub your toe there. So I don't think that's going to be that much of a factor uh, in the whole thing. I think that uh, I agree with you. They're a dangerous team. If we could put them in the Big Sky ratings, I'd have had them toward the top. Yeah, me too. Because most of their guys yep. from that 2017 team are back, and then they've got the San- uh, Sacramento State quarterback uh-huh. who sat out last year, who's coming in uh, this year, who should be able to give them a good signal caller. Larry, T- tremendous about? running backs, too. Yeah.
1: Larry, how about from your perspective, the headline or two in the the conference that you'll be following?
3: Well, boy, there's just a bunch of stuff, uh, Jay. Uh, Number one, Bobby Houck's return to Montana. Mm -hmm. How's that going to impact his team? How quickly will he be able to get that team to the Montana teams that he coached in the early part of the 2000s? I love that story. Uh, You know, the guy that's been recruiting there has not been recruiting Bobby Houck-style football. So how quick is he going to be able to flip that, particularly on the offensive line, Recruiting pass blockers to recruiting drive blockers for running game, That's uh, not all pass blockers can go out. And Eastern found that out last year. They wanted to run the ball a little bit more the first two games, and they just didn't have the guys that were capable of of drive blocking somebody. They're used to pass blocking. So uh, that's going to be interesting for me. And then the situation with Montana State at quarterback. Chris Murray, out for the year. Who takes over there, and how effective is that person? If they are equal to Murray uh, I think Montana State's in the uh, in the race. If they're better than Murray would have been, then I think Montana State's toward the front of the race.
2: You know, I think another storyline is Eastern Washington. To be perfectly honest with you, a team that felt uh, very aggrieved last year, not making it into the FCS playoff.
1: Party. They got hosed. Let's just be really honest about things. They got hosed.
2: There, there. Are, I, I would. Argue, yo, yes on that. Yeah, I'm one of those that's in the Eastern Washington camp that they they had a case to be in the playoffs. Be that as it may, um, I think the entire program was safe to say was a bit aggravated. And that may be putting it mild. Oh, without a doubt. Okay. I and, mean, and what's the bounce back going to be from that? What's how's, how how does how does this team respond to that anger and disappointment a year ago in November, uh, going into the twenty eighteen season? I think is a a great storyline. And, and look, look, what were they picked to finish number one? Number one. I mean, I mean, so there are a lot of folks around the league, myself included, because I will say that I voted Eastern Washington in my ballot to win the league this year? I had them two. You had them at number two?
1: Idaho one, Eastern Washington two.
2: So I'm one that believes that you guys are, are going to use that as a motivational tool, to and you have talent to back that up to to make a run at a championship.
3: I had East, uh, Eastern Washington second on my ballot. I had Weber State in at number one, because I think you, you still have to beat the champ. They have enough guys coming back from their championship year last year. But they did lose their quarterbacks. Yes, They've they got did. to get and good they quarterback lost play.
1: Taron Johnson out of the secondary, who's in the NFL now. Sure, I mean they lost. They it. lost Hold a lot,
3: on. but they have a lot coming back. They I think do. what five preseason All Americans on that team now. One of them's the kicker, and one's the return man. But still,
2: special teams
3: in this uh, league is, it makes a big
1: difference. Especially in all leagues, it's huge. But I think they have the best special teams unit in the country, mm-hmm.
2: and they have a great coach in Jay Hill, yep. who I think is is one of the up and coming. Coaches in college football this year, he has created a culture and a program that is a winning program and a winning culture. Uh, you, you cannot discount that as well. I had Weber at number two on my ballot. Uh, I had the, them third. You had them third, so we're all pretty close. The three of us are.
3: So here's what scares me hmm. for the 2018 season, and, and and we talk about things that we are watching for. To me, it's the word regionalization, because. In the Big Sky Conference, we stand alone in the West. And I think this year in the Big Sky, and it's borne out by the number of teams that got first place votes in the media poll, I think we're going to have a lot of six and five and seven and four teams. There might be a couple of eight and three, nine and twos in there. But I really believe, based on how the committee did it last year with the, uh, with the seating and, and with the at-larges that they took, uh, snubbing eastern snubbing sacramento state to the point where neither of those teams were even the next two who considered after the top 24 so they weren't even 25th or 26th in the field Though what's going to happen is the committee has used the word regionalization they use it in volleyball softball baseball soccer etc etc but the difference is between football and those other sports is there are multiple leagues in the West. You've got the West Coast Conference, the Big West Conference, the Western Athletic Conference that don't play football. They do play all these other sports. So when you want to regionalize a a Western regional let's say you can do it with a Pac twelve school playing a big West school or a mountain West school against a big sky school, et cetera. You can't do that in football you can't regionalize one league, and what I'm really afraid of this year is you're going to get the conference champion, one other team in, and nobody else gets in because they don't want to travel anybody from the west to the east they don't want to travel anybody from the east to the west, and so what you'll get is you'll get the big sky champ you'll get the second place team playing San Diego if they win and get in from the Pioneer League. And if you don't, then you might get a third Big Sky team in just because you got to have two teams that can play each other in the first round. Well, we had three teams last year. But I don't think you'd have had three teams last year if you hadn't had San Diego winning. That's the what Pioneer I'm League. saying, yes. If San Diego hadn't won the Pioneer League, I don't think Northern Arizona is an at-large team, and so you just have the, the Southern Utah well, and, and, a, and Weber State. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm going to throw cold water on his. I've got to interrupt you because I've got to throw cold water on you. I, I do have a little insider information on that from the, from the process last year. Don't ask me how I know this, but I can tell you that we were not even close to being a team on the bubble. They had us in a, as, as a, a lock-in as, as a team that was in, regardless whether San Diego was in or not, NAU was in the party.
1: Well, let me ask I you can this: say, then, I can tell about you that. that question then.
2: And I'm not, and I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think I agree with that. I I I was I, I was one guys were who very was surprised. I didn't think we had a case to get in. I didn't. So I me, will say that right so now. So let
1: me ask this then, and this is from a selfish standpoint for Montana State, and I'll ask, well, explain why in a moment. I think you guys know how much of. NAU getting in and being firmly in Mm -hmm. had to do with the fact that they played two teams from the Missouri Valley Football Conference and beat one of them, which was ranked at the time. I
2: can answer your question. That was a huge factor. There was a second factor, and this will be interesting for folks that are listening in the state of Montana. Uh, Again, I I have insider information. My sources, I trust. Uh, They looked at the outcome of the NAU game at Montana and they factored in what happened with the quarterback, Case Cookus, for NAU getting thrown out of the game in the first quarter on a targeting call. And they said, given that outcome of that game, with that event that happened in that game, they felt that NAU was the better team on paper than Montana and would have won that game, would have beat Montana. And I think that's a fair judgment. I do. do. We almost won anyway. We almost won that game anyway. A drop two-point conversion in the back of the end zone at the end of the game, we go to overtime. So I, they looked at that and said, NAU should have won that game against Montana and should have been eight and three, not seven and four.
1: Well, and the reason I ask about the Missouri Valley Football Conference thing, selfishly for Montana State, the Bobcats open home with Western Illinois week one. Great game. Week two at South Dakota State. Great game. And if you can find, if they, if they split them, and then go, and they got Wagner week three. So you two and one in the non-conference with a win over a Valley team. And then if you go 5-3 and three in the league, 7-4 and four probably gets you in with a win over the Valley. If you beat both of those opponents off the top, Western Illinois and South Dakota State, you're in until you play your we way sp- out of it. Hey,
2: we played two Valley teams last and year, split. guys, and split. Mm-hmm. If, but okay. if the
1: Cats were to win both of those, just imagine, if they get to 2-0 and o and beat two Valley teams at the top, Montana State's in the top 10. Probably in the national polls. You would assume. Uh, beating, without a doubt. With a win at, at South or Dakota on the State. Road, yeah. as,
2: as a voter in my on, in that ballot, I'd say absolutely. I, yeah. I would vote that absolutely so in the top ten.
1: I, I think to kind of bring this all back to the center of the circle, I think the, the big sky could get two, three, four, maybe in a perfect world five. And the reason I say that, it's all going to come down this year, I think, to non-conference play. Teams that go out and beat other good opponents in non-conference play will have a shot, I think, because I agree with Larry, I think we'll see a lot of teams in conference play 6-2, and 5-3 and three in the league. Maybe somebody wins it at 7-1, and one, but I think this thing is wide open.
2: We get five teams in the tournament. I, th- I will fly to Bozeman, Montana, rent a car, and take you to Livingston and buy you dinner at the Montana Ribbon Chop House.
1: Deal. That, if we get, if the ever, Big
2: Sky gets five teams in, I'm doing that for you. We, there's a, no way that's happening.
1: They're not a sponsor of this podcast. But, Larry, have you ever been to Ribbon Chop House? I have not. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I've <laughs> got <laughs> a
3: place for us tomorrow night here in Spokane. I think you're going to like. So. Okay, I like that. Bring yeah. it on.
1: So let's take a look at some of these other teams in the league. I, I, have you, are you guys familiar with Hero Sports? Yes. The outfit. They, they have really invested a lot of time and resources into covering the Big Sky. They're giving stats, Inc., a run for their money in terms of FCS coverage. And I've become friendly with some of the people at uh, Hero Sports. They put out their top 25. The Hero Sports FCS top 25, Eastern Washington 4, Weber State 18, UC Davis 22, Idaho 23, also receiving votes, Montana, Sacramento State, Montana State, and Northern Arizona.
2: Yeah, UC Davis, I saw that poll. The UC Davis inclusion in the top 25 was a, was a uh, raise some eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think UC Davis has a, a, a great quarterback. They've got a terrific run game. Their offensive Kielan coordinator is, is, is the
1: preseason yeah, player of the year in this they, they have
2: good. They are a, a better team. They are getting better. I think that Dan Hawkins is, is doing what Dan Hawkins does. Uh, but I'm a little skeptical of a top 25 preseason position for Defense them. Defense
3: is going to be. That's yeah. the question mark yeah. for them. If they can defend somebody and get some stops and, and hold teams under 35 points, they're going to win a lot of games because I think offensively they're going to score more than 35 points in a lot of ball games. But the question for them last year and the question until they answer it this year, can they stop anybody else? I don't know that they can. I had them down in my pulse 6th, 7th in there somewhere. So uh, uh, that's where I think they're... Likely yeah. to, to, to land. I so think. how
1: about a team like Cal Poly? Montana State, it's oh. interesting. Montana State plays the top four teams in the poll, and they play the bottom four teams in the poll. That's their conference schedule this year. It's a very interesting run. Montana State will, also, will play Portland State and Cal Poly, both between them last year, 1 and 21. I think Cal Poly has a chance, and Larry, you and I talked about this the other day, Cal Poly has a chance to rise up in the standings a little bit from their 1-10 and spot last year. They were decimated by injuries at some pretty important spots. They lost Khalil Jenkins, their quarterback. They lost Joe Prothrow, their fullback. And they're a team that runs the ball, and that's all they do. And when you lose those two guys out of a triple option offense, it's a pretty significant loss. I think Cal Poly could be a team that is not well thought of in the preseason that could rise up and maybe make a little bit of noise as as the season unfolds.
3: That, to me, is the a team that is best positioned to surprise the conference polls because they're usually in the top four or five in the big sky. They weren't last year because of the injury. I think they have a chance to get back up into that level this year. It's just a matter for them if, if, if they can stay healthy. When you're running a triple option offense, And your quarterback goes down, and that can happen a lot when you're running that. And he's holding on to the ball a lot, and he's not the biggest guy in the world. um, You know, do they have a do they have a backup there? If they do, and that guy's effective, and Prothrow can stay healthy, you know, if they just return to Cal Poly football, I think they've got a shot at getting in the in the mix. Yeah,
2: having Joe Prothrow back, uh, who is a All American caliber fullback in that offense, if the quarterback stays healthy, they're a dangerous football team. That's just the bottom line, um, and you have to you have to think that they, guys, they got to be better than last year.
1: It'd be really hard to be they, worse. Yeah,
2: I they, mean they have they beat to be, only right?
1: Portland State, who had just an abysmal season.
2: I mean, I I know that sounds kind of a like a simplistic way to look at it, but gee, I mean they 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 pitched a bagel hole. You, you, they've got to be better, and 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 Walsh is a is I think a very good coach. I think he's. They ran into a lot of issues that you talked about that were out of their control. He's too good of a coach to to allow that, that team to not is too be better. solid. Yeah, as a, a whole, I think that's a team to kind of keep a a little bit of an eyeball on as we go into the season.
1: Another team I want to ask about. We've alluded to it a couple of times when we were talking about our our vote in the uh, preseason poll. But I think Weber State's an interesting team. Um, Treshawn Garrett, their running back, was quoted in spring ball as saying it's national championship or bust. I'm not convinced that they're going to be better than they were last year. I'm just not. I mean, I I think they have far too many holes to fill. I know you mentioned, Larry, that they've got uh, some some All-Americans and preseason All-Americans coming back. But with what they lose defensively, they lose McKay Murphy in the front. They lose two studs on the back end. Um, Landon Stice gave up football in the off season. That's a guy that was pretty good in the middle of their defense. I thought they won last year largely with defense and special teams, and they lose a bunch on defense. They'll still be really good with special teams. They do have to replace their quarterback as well. I think the strength of their offense will be the offensive line, so they may be a little more of a running team than they were last season. Uh, but I'm just not convinced yet that they're going to be better than they were last season.
3: I, I agree with that, even though I picked them number one. I picked them number one because I... Didn't foresee Stevan Cantwell, and so I'm guessing that Jay Hill's got somebody that he sees in practice every day that we don't that is ready to step in and take over. I think their offensive line's outstanding. I think their running backs are outstanding. Untested at receiver, they've got to step up there. But defensively, they rotated nine or ten guys around the front. So if you miss McKay Murphy and a couple of these other guys, you've got Rodriguez and a bunch of other guys that did play last year and played at a high level. You've got LeGrand Toya back. You've got half your secondary. Plus, they again played a lot of guys back there. I think it's just going to be plug in new guys yes. and, and go play again for them. And, and if they get good quarterback play, I think they'll be right at the top of the conference. If they don't get good quarterback play, then they'll be down the, down the line a
2: little I, bit. I think they, they don't even really need superb quarterback play. They just, just don't lose the game. Don't lose the game type of play from their quarterback, and I think that team is is poised to, to make another run at the championship. I picked them number two on my ballot. I just pulled up my ballot here and to take a look at that uh, for the very same reason that you said Toya is a potential Defensive Player of the Year candidate uh, for Weber State in the league. Uh, he, he might be one of the top two or three defensive players in the Big Sky Conference going into 2018. Um, I, I, and again, I go back to the Jay Hill factor. I, I, just, I just think the guy is, is incredibly good and has built a program that has a culture of winning. Uh, and that, that team doesn't look at itself the same way as it, this isn't your daddy's Weber State Wildcat team. Uh, the doormats of the league for really for so many years. They have a culture. They have a system that I think is is quite frankly poised for long term success. And I think that's a product of Jay Hill's coaching and his staff. And uh, I just they've they've invested a lot into that program financially, infrastructure wise. Uh, there's great fan support. They're building, rebuilding support for Weber State football and at the top of Utah, and, and I have them number two on my ballot for all of those reasons.
1: Here's the team that vexed me the absolute most when I voted in the preseason poll. Sacramento State. Oh, boy, yeah. They're a team that has been just dogs for a long time. They rise up last year and go 7-4. and four. Jody Sears wins at Coach of the Year in the conference. I have absolutely... No idea what to expect of that group. And
2: think about that that Sears issue you just brought up. There was a guy that in the middle of the season was literally every Saturday for a brief period of time playing for his job. Mm-hmm. Every single Saturday. He's got to win this game to keep his job. He he was on the verge of getting canned and possibly even midseason at one point. And then they, they go on a run, uh, a tremendous finish coach of the year but you're right I have and I, I pulled up my ballot I had them sixth on my ballot Larry and that was a tough call for me but I just kind of looked at it as a numbers game I just think that they're there it's a tough it's tough to crack my top five Eastern Washington Weber State Southern Utah I had Montana at four Idaho at five I know you're not on the Idaho wagon but I am I, I just didn't know where to put them
3: I'm not on the Montana wagon either ah I'm not either I know it's well, a there's shock. A, are, wait, shock. Hold me. on a
2: minute. Hold, you know, hold on. Radio listeners, podcast listeners. This is Mitch Stroman feigning surprise. <gasps>
1: <gasps> OK, let me let me couch this by my couch. My comment by saying this, I've spoken to people in the Missoula media. I will not name names so that they don't get in trouble who have no confidence in the Montana Grizzlies this year. I think and they're a year away, at I least. I think when, when Bobby Houck came in and after spring ball, he went on the record as saying, we're at least two years away from being where we want to be. And I'm sure he's using his measuring stick as what they were his first time around. And I, I, just, I just wonder how much roster reconstruction there will have to be. Well, See, Bobby Houck and his style of play, they use these things called fullbacks and tight, and ends. tight ends. And, and well, Bob, they didn't Stitt, have Bob Stitt didn't have any of those on his roster. You know, Jeff jokingly said, hey, I hope Bob Stitt is the coach of Montana forever. (laughs) And I I, I think, I I just, I mean, I don't want to throw dirt on a guy's grave necessarily, but I, I don't think Bob Stitt ever really understood Montana. I don't think he ever really understood what that place is all about, what their football program was all about. And I think Bobby Hout coming back will give a breath of life to the Grizzly program that they've not had in several years. Because let's think about this. They have not won a conference championship since 2009.
2: Look at their schedule. Their schedule is tailor-made for a first-year successful run for Bobby Houck. They host Northern Iowa to open their season. They, if that were in Iowa, that would, I would say that it's a troubling game, but I think they can win that game at home. Then they host Drake. I look at that as a win. Then they go on the road to Western Illinois. Against the Valley team. That is a great test. It's a great opportunity for them to to stamp themselves potentially with a 3-0 start. Host Sacramento State. I like that game for the Grizzlies at Wagriz. They go to Cal Poly. Cal Poly's a question mark. I'm not sure if they're ready to bounce back to beat Montana yet. They host Portland State. They go to North Dakota. They've got Davis at home. They go to Southern Utah. Go to Idaho and then of course the brawl of the wild. I think that schedule sets up beautifully for a minimum of a seven and four season. And if they go seven and four with northern Iowa and western Illinois on their non conference schedule, they're a playoff team.
3: That, and that if would that fall happens, into that would fall into the formula. Yep. So you know, yep. I, I just don't see it right now for for what I mentioned earlier. When you've been recruiting pass blockers and you're trying to make them run blockers, sometimes that doesn't happen you got to get tight ends and fullbacks in there that are ready to go. They've got uncertainty at quarterback. They've got just, a, for me, a number of concerns. And if they go out and go 8-3 and three and 9-2 and two this year, whatever, and, and stick my nose in it, that's fine. Good for them. But I just don't think he's got the team he wants to have. It's not the Bobby Houck teams that he had in the 2000s. This is a whole different bunch of personnel, and he's got a, and he's had a bunch that he's weeded out already. He's got more weeding to do in order to get his guys in there.
1: The one thing you mentioned, they're not great on the offensive line. The other thing that they don't have, they have absolutely no depth in the secondary. They've got a couple of starters back. They have no depth. If they have any injuries back there, they are in big trouble in a league like the Big Sky where everybody passes for a living, and, and that's the identity of most offenses in the league.
3: I want to weigh in on Sac State, too. I didn't get a chance to do that because I, if I had had to do this again, I would have picked them first.
2: Say that again.
3: I would have picked Sac State first, but I like Jody Sears, and I didn't want to put that kind of pressure on Jody. I'd put that on Jay Hill, not Jody Sears. They have, I think, all their starters back except for two or three. They've got if, – if Kevin Thompson hadn't gotten hurt – They'd have been in either an 8-3 or a 9-2 and two team last year with what they had, and most of those guys are back. They've got Andre Lindsey back. They've got running backs back. They've got offensive linemen back. They've got guy playmakers at every level on defense back from Harry Allen, the secondary, uh, and linebackers escaping me, and then you've got Obina at defensive end. I just, if, if, if they have the, here's the if for me with them. Do they have the depth? That's been their problem in the past is they, if, if they, somebody gets hurt, they don't have the depth, and that was their problem last year at quarterback. When Thompson went out, they didn't have anybody that could fill his shoes. I think they've got the most the most dynamic players back out of everybody in the league, and I think they've got a chance to win it all if they stay healthy or if they have the depth, and we'll find out.
1: Huh. Okay, Mitch, let's talk Northern Arizona. Okay, let's do it. Case Cook is back for his junior season. Emmanuel Butler comes back after being being out for most of last year with an injury. Mm -hmm. Jerome Sowers is back Mm -hmm. in a move that kind of was unexpected when things shook out at the end of the season after Lisa Campos left as the AD. The president decided to give Sowers another year in spite of Lisa Campos saying he was out. Are Cookus and Butler enough? Is the defense going to be improved enough? What is your take on Northern Arizona because there is a lot of there are a lot of different things on the table for that program.
2: Well, the story with Jerome Sowers and how things went down with his coaching stability last year arguably was one of the most bizarre circumstances involving a coach at any level I've ever seen. I've never really seen anything quite like that. Um, but that's behind us now, and, and the program is stabilized, I think, to a certain extent. He got a one-year extension. I think it's, it's, it's important to, to point that out. A lot of people are not familiar with that. We got one year, so he is technically now in his contract year this year. Uh, we have a new athletic director in Mike Marlowe a guy that is friends with and knows Jerome very well from when Mike was an assistant athletic director at Montana when Jerome was defensive coordinator back in the glory years when they were winning their first national championship. So there's a relationship there. How that plays out, I can't tell you. Uh, But I will say this. I think that Mike Marlowe comes in from Washington State University. Uh, He brings a, a FBS mentality to the NAU program, and he will assess Jerome I think on a metric that will be fair and, and honest and was not a, a dumpster fire, and I'll say that on the record, we, uh, Dr. Campos handled things with Jerome Sowers last year. I think it'll be a process that will be transparent and, and people will know what's going on. That's being said, I think the coaching situation is stabilized and that's a good thing for the program. Case Cookus is is a, a FBS caliber quarterback. Um, he's my pick for offensive player of the year in the Big Sky on my preseason ballot. Emmanuel Butler is a future professional athlete in waiting, and he's he's an incredibly gifted talent. But I have a lot of very serious questions. First and foremost, the offensive line. We lost three starters on the offensive line to graduation. What is not known, but I'll say it here, is that one of our remaining two starters is now going to be out for the season going into 2018. I won't mention that young man's name, but uh, he has an injury that's going to keep him out for the entire year. We have zero depth on the offensive line. It is going to be all J.C. transfers. How they fit in and gel as an offensive line unit will decide how good our offense is going into 2018. I have no way to know that other than what I'm told and what I see on film of J.C. players that have never played at the Division I level. Total question mark. If they're solid, we'll have one of the best offenses in the country. Defensively, we bring almost everybody back on a defense that at times was excellent on defense, especially against the pass, but ended the season miserably. Three games starting with the win at home over Montana State, then a loss at Southern Utah to close the season, and then the debacle in the first round of the playoffs against San Diego at home in Flagstaff. The defense absolutely came unraveled in the final three games of the season. If that defense can right that ship going into 2018 and be serviceable, we're going to beat some teams. I have doubts. I do. And I'm not, I'm not prepared to, to say exactly where I had us in, our, in my ballot. <laughs> but I will say this. It wasn't in the top half of the league. Wow. And I, I am skeptical. The schedule is good for NAU. We have a very favorable schedule. We do not play Montana. We do not play Eastern Washington, except as a non-conference team. We do not play Montana State. We play Weber at home. We host Southern Utah at home. Those are good places for us to play those guys. It gives us a fighting chance. Uh, the schedule is favorable, but I have deep deep concerns about our offensive line and some serious questions about whether or not the defense I saw in the last three games of 2017 will not be the defense in 2018. That has to be fixed and it has to be fixed quickly or we could be in trouble. Guys, we open at UTEP. That's our money game. That on paper, is a winnable game. It
1: absolutely is against That's an a FBS terrible team. program yeah.
2: that that pitched a bagel hole last year, zero twelve. Okay, but again, you hope you come back from a, a game like that without any catastrophic injuries. Then we play Eastern Washington as a non-conference game at home. Then we go on the road to the valley and play Missouri State, a team that was at the bottom of the valley last year. Is that winnable? Should be. Should be winnable. We then home, home against Southern Utah to open the year, a team that has beat us five years in a row. Somebody proved to me that we can beat the Thunderbirds. Until we beat them, we're 0 for 5 in the last five tries. Until we get off the deck and beat the Thunderbirds, I am, I am a skeptic, and, and I'm, I know you guys had us higher. I appreciate that, and I thank you for that. And I know
1: a lot of others did. The coaches had you third. Third. The media at large had fourth.
2: Fourth. I mean, I had us below the midway point on my ballot. 13th. And, and now, <laughs> 14th. Jay Sanderson, nasty man. But, no, seriously, I, 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 I'm bearish a little bit right now. Um, I need to see how we can do in those first three games of the year, and if we if we can go two and one in our non conference part of the schedule, I'll have hope. If we can go three and one to come out of the gate, then I will be rub my nose in it.
1: What's your view, of Northern Arizona?
3: I yield to the Northern Arizona man.
1: <laughs> Starting to sound like a congressional con-
3: hearing. Yes, in here. my concerns for them are offensive and defensive lines. If they get good play out of out of those two, then uh, you know then they'll be all right. In my opinion, because the skilled positions, I think, wide receiver, running back, defensive back, they're going to be fine in all those areas. Quarterback, obviously.
1: I think it's going to be a fun year in the league. I I, I truly, again, Larry, when you and I spoke earlier uh, uh, last week, um, I said I I really don't have a sense of how this thing is going to play. I think most years you go into things knowing that somebody is better than the rest or there's a certain group of teams that is better than the rest – I don't think we can say that this year, and I think it's going, it makes for a really, really fun football season. I don't think we'll really have a true feel for how this thing is starting to go until, I don't know, end of October. I, I, I truly think that it won't shake out until that late in the can season. I,
2: can I throw a wild card question out at you guys? Sure. I'm going to be a real pill to you both. Okay. Do you think that the Big Sky Conference in football is at the right size with 13 teams? No. Can I say absolutely not? I agree with you both. Do you think it should be larger or smaller?
1: That's I think it should
2: question.
3: be smaller, and I would include <laughs> basketball into that as but, well. Yes, I, I, you, I, do I, you
1: think I, it should be smaller as well? I think the number is 10.
2: I also agree with you. I think the number is
0: 10. I think I the just number wanted is 9
3: out. for football and 10 for basketball. 9? Find yourself a... Nine. Yes, because you have four home games and four away games. Every year in conference, you play everybody. You play four home, four away. You find somebody, whether it's a Grand Canyon or a Seattle or whoever it may be, they're in there for basketball only. Utah Valley would be another candidate. You're talking hoops here. They're basketball only. Everybody else plays football. And I don't know which nine you take out of the 13 that are in there. Obviously, it's not UC Davis and it's not Pauly, so you're down to 11 out of the, uh, you know, you've got nine of the 11. I don't know who gets left out, but that's what I'd do.
2: Well, yeah. I, I I'm with you guys. I just thought I'd throw I mean, you that can't out there. Just
3: kick a team out of the conference. That's the that's the thing. Oh, really? So. Ask
2: Idaho that question. Well, I yeah. guess you're
3: right. They did kind of get So yeah. uh, never
2: mind. I stand corrected.
3: <laughs> 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 oh,
2: I love it. Throwing I love some it.
1: Shade on today's.
2: Podcast. I just thought it was a provocative question. It's something that here I've already had some off-the-record conversations with with some of uh, the folks up here in in Spokane uh, about that very issue, that the size of the big sky, and I'm just talking football for the moment, at 13 teams is just too big. It's just too big. Everybody should play one another every year.
1: I agree with that, and every year we get into this situation of is it a fair champion based on who played who in the conference season? I mean, you look at some of these teams, like last year, Cal Poly had far and away the toughest conference schedule. I think last year they played teams one through eight in the preseason poll. Then there were other teams, like Idaho State, who played a lot of the bottom teams mm-hmm. in the preseason poll. And that's no, I, 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 there's no good way to evaluate a true champion and make it a level playing field for everybody. And we, even up until last year in basketball, in the conference, it was the same way. The 18-game schedule... You play four teams just one time.
2: Well, we're going to a 20-game schedule in basketball. This year
1: in basketball, they're still working the details of all of that out, and that's a completely different conversation for a different show. Yeah, Yeah, But at least in basketball, we're moving in the right direction of playing everybody twice, a true double-round robin. We're trying to. In football, there's just no feasible way. Unless you completely not play a non-conference schedule and you play 12 conference games, and that that will never ever happen. You can't do it. It doesn't make any sense to do it that way. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I think the number is 10 I, for football and basketball, and I think you play nine conference games in football. And some years you get five, and some years you get four at home. I, I just how it goes. Well,
2: the Montana, the folks in Missoula will never go for that because they're they're non-conference. Uh, home games are. It's uh, the same way for us are, at Montana are, State. Yeah, very, very profitable. I mean, that, that's enormous. A, that's a huge revenue driving
1: issue well, for these, your athletic department. That's so, why
2: I say nine for football.
1: The scheduling paradigm for Montana State is six home games per year. The end. That is a non-negotiable thing. Right. And so, what it would do if we if you had to play nine conference games, the year you have four home conference games, you have to get both your non-conference games at home. Uh, and that's just very difficult to accomplish it in is. most years.
2: It is, but I'm, I I agree with him. I, I, I know what you're saying with nine. I think ten's a sweet spot. But I, I think we all agree. There's a consensus among the three of us that 13
1: is not that the ain't number.
2: the number. No, no, it is not. Uh, and, and it's it's too unwieldy, and it has created what I think is uh, a liability quite frankly, for the Big Sky Conference in football to have a, a, such a wide schedule issue between some schools who play the upper-tier schools one year and they don't the next year, and this team does and that team doesn't. I think it hurts the league overall, and uh, I don't know if, the, if there will be ever any discussion about that issue, but I thought it was a nice provocative thing to throw at you guys.
1: Well, guys, this has been fun, a lot of fun, and it's going to be a fantastic football season because we... Try to be interactive, and it is an online platform podcast. Larry, what is your Twitter handle?
3: Larry Weir, P-B-P. Mitch?
2: At Mitch Stroman.
1: You stayed up all night thinking of that
2: one. I, I did, and it took me about four hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks so much for being with us. Looking forward to a fantastic football season. You can follow me on Twitter at msu bobcats voice thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you next time
0: you've been listening to the bobcat insider be sure to stay up to date with all things montana state athletics by visiting msubobcats.com and by following the cats on social media on twitter facebook and instagram using the handle msu bobcats the preceding has been a learfield presentation